0: the rangers and yankees two historic slugging teams which teams will have the better offense in 2024 talk about all that and more on this crossover episode of locked on rangers let's get into it
1: you are locked on rangers your daily texas rangers podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
0: You are locked onto the World Series champion Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan, covering this team for 10 seasons, including all five as the founder and host of this podcast. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. You can also follow my guests, Stacey and Steve. Where can they find you and all of y'all's great work at Locked On
2: Yankees?
1: Where can they find us, Steve? You can find me on Twitter at StaceGotts
2: yeah that's just follow the show i have i have abandoned my twitter it is (laughs) over folks it is so over but yeah follow the show and uh more so on the youtube side we put out a lot of stuff on youtube
0: yeah, they are crushing it on the YouTube side and on the podcast side, just in general, just like the Yankees have crushed this offseason. Before we get into today's show, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make like every moment more. New customers join today, and you'll get $150 in bonus bets if your first bet of five dollars or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Now the Rangers have been a team that has had very loud offseasons the last couple of years. And this year, not so much. It's been incredibly quiet, but all all the headlines have been taken by those New York Yankees leaning back into becoming the villains they were laughed at scoffed at after an 82 and 80 horrible finish you know no team's ever had that bad of a season you know ever as it seemed Yankees were having last year but um here they come and make a trade for Juan Soto giving them i would say probably the best top two batters of any lineup in major league baseball but the question behind that lineup is who else is there in this Yankees lineup outside of the great Juan Soto and Aaron Judge?
1: You have plenty of people. Gleyber There's Torres. a lot
2: there. <laughs> Yeah, I think, Stacey, yeah, you're right there. That's the first one that came to my head when, when he said that. I was like, I mean, Labor <laughs> was one of the best offensive second baseman in baseball last year, not to scoff at your one of the best offensive second baseman in baseball last year. But yeah, Glaber quietly was <laughs> as on the position player front, the best Yankee last year. Yeah. And no one seems to really care.
1: Yeah. Like he was the most reliable you know, he was around the longest. He, he didn't take any extended IL trips. And, uh, you know, I don't think well, he had any
2: IL trips. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, I think healthy, he was the most healthy. Yeah, he got scratched a couple times, but I don't think he ever actually had any IL trips last year.
1: Yeah, like he was the uh, he was the guy last year and he, he did fly under the radar. Um, aside from him. Uh, well, all right. We're going to have a healthy Anthony Roselle. And uh, DJ LeMahieu turned things around in the second half. Uh, Sean Casey actually helped him out a little bit there uh, when he was hitting coach. And um, he rebounded very nicely. And if the Yankees can get second half, DJ LeMahieu healthy Anthony Rizzo, Glaber Torres, Judge Soto, and second year Anthony Volpe, maybe improving upon his rookie year. That's a solid, <laughs> that's a solid group right there.
2: You're not, you didn't even bring up Alex Verdugo, Stacey. Like, I, know, I think, I know, I think what, when you're looking at the Yankees, obviously the sexy move is Juan Soto clearly, duh, we're all looking at that. But when you're looking at just the overall improvement of the roster and where it stands as the number one guys, your first options are much better than the first options they had last year. The depth is better. I wouldn't say it's full fledged, uh, and, and no issues there whatsoever, But I still think when you're looking at this roster overall, Stace, like the number one choices, the regular starting guys are basically an improvement at every position. At least that's what you're anticipating.
1: Mm -hmm. I forgot about Verdugo. I'm so sorry, Alex Verdugo.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I honestly forgot about Alex
0: Verdugo as well. I mean, Glamour Torres is a guy that definitely sticks out to me. I mean, looking at some of his numbers from last year, I mean, under 100 strikeouts playing in all but four games last year and 800 OPS. And but everything that I see about him from Yankees fans that I know is, is usually just like hating on, on Torres. And I'm like, this guy seems like a really solid player on most teams. I feel like he'd be, you know, very pre- appreciated, like 25 home runs and 28 doubles as a, as a second baseman that plays like every single day. That's a very valuable bat to have in your lineup for sure. But I think that my, my question is about like comparing the Rangers depth and what made their offense so successful last year in the postseason is the depth of, like just one through nine for sure is just like every single. There is not a an easy out in the lineup, especially now that Austin Hedges is, is elsewhere. Um, there is not going to be a single easy out in this lineup. I mean, your number nine hitter is probably going to be Lily Tavares who had a you know seven thirty three OPS last year as an everyday uh, starting center fielder, a, a guy who had you know has twenty twenty potential. I mean, who's got a lot of raw power? Doesn't always is incredibly streaky. But the guy who's projected to be their number eight hitter in the lineup next year is Wyatt Langford, who's one of the top prospects in all of baseball and projected to have like a, where we go, around 800, 820, I think, OPS, according to fan graphs. And if you have that guy as your number eight hitter, I feel like you're in a pretty good spot as a lineup, wouldn't you say?
2: (laughs) I'll take it. Because the Yankees don't really have that luxury right now because the eighth spot in the lineup is in all likelihood a catcher, which you have Jose Trevino there right now, and then it's a toss-up. I know, Locked on Yankees fans are going to start screaming at me again. <laughs> uh, just like they probably... I didn't even look at the comments for our episode on Tuesday because I know they were screaming about uh, about this. But uh, that catcher position is going to be Jose Trevino with, I say, Ben Rortvet backing up, but uh, a lot of people think that... Twenty-two games of a two ten hitter or two twenty hitter or whatever of Austin Wells proves it enough that he makes it out of camp. But again, I digress. That uh, that's not necessarily the same situation that the Yankees are in.
0: Yeah, former Granger great Jose Trevino. I mean, how is he hit with the Yankees? He was very. He was a guy who was an incredible hitter in high school. Like has like some state records for like. Uh, most like home runs, I think in a single season in a Texas high school baseball uh, season was, I think at least a one-time state champion uh, and then transitioned to catcher once he went to the minor leagues. Has he still been hitting kind of like he's swinging with a pool noodle with the Yankees as well?
1: What happened was, you know, he came to the Yankees, you know, unheralded, like suddenly happened, like right before the season started in 22. Everyone's like, wait, what, what just happened? And he was like a a, a guy on fire, you know, making the all-star team and all this stuff. And it was basically, he followed the same uh, blueprint as the 2022 Yankees, hot in the first half and then nothing in the second half. And that continued into 23 and then he injured himself and then he was out for, you know, half the year. So with his wrist, um, you know, hopefully he'll be healthy. And if we can get you know first half 22 Trevino the one that hit a few walk-offs not home runs just you know singles and stuff I mean I'd be happy with that
2: (laughs) I think what we've kind of landed on uh, a lot when we talk about the roster construction right now about the Yankees is you don't need anything out of your catchers really like when you're really looking up and down that lineup if everybody's hitting the way they're supposed to, which, of course, happens every season for every team, in his <laughs> team mind, uh, then, then you don't really need much out of your catcher. You'll take what you can get when you're the Yankees. Trevino is obviously there defensively. That's what Higgy was there for defensively. Um, that's what Ben Wartvet projects to be a little bit as well on Austin Wells. It's kind of the flip side of that. He's there yeah. on the offensive side, of thing as opposed to the defensive
0: yeah. I mean the Rangers were choosing between Jose Trevino and Jonah Haim before that twenty twenty was it was it twenty two or twenty one where, where the Rangers sent Haim there? I think it was before twenty two. Twenty two. Um, <laughs> yeah, and the Rangers picked Jonah Heim because there's offensive upside. Obviously, a lot more power there. And Jose Trevino, they were right there. At, like if, if not for that Yankees bump in voting, I think that Jonah Heim might be a two-time All-Star at this point. Instead, <laughs> he is a one-time All-Star, but I will take it um, <clears throat> because the Rangers lineup, they are... Looking to get just any kind of bonus out of their catcher right now. And <clears throat> Jonah Heim is kind of providing them that bonus as a guy who's probably be hitting seventh or eighth in their lineup as a switch-hitting catcher who's hopefully gonna finally hit 20 home runs this year. If not for a wrist injury, he would have gotten that 20 home run plateau, which the Rangers have not had a catcher who has hit 20 home runs in the hottest of minutes, I
2: think, since 2016. Napoli? Uh
0: How old Nap- that wouldn't be that it's, long ago. It's right? it's been it Napoli did had like 30 home runs. I think it is uh, Robinson Chirinos was the last one in 2016, um, which uh, that is a name that is a blast from the past coming up. We're going to look at the projections. Should the rank, should the Yankees be favored to win the American league this year over the reigning AL champion and world series champion, Texas Rangers. We'll talk about that in just a second, right after this from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. You can place all kinds of bets on your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. If you wanted to bet on a, a star player from either the, the New York area and former uh, Mavericks great Jalen Brunson going off and having a big game, or Luka Doncic you wanted to bet on Luka Doncic MVP odds or you want to bet on a MLB or AL excuse me AL MVP favorite in Aaron Judge or Corey Seager you can look at those odds on FanDuel check it out FanDuel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot FanDuel official sportsman partner of the NBA now it seems like every single projection for the standings for this year whether it's Pe- is it petkoa Petoka? I-, I swear i swear Pekoda, that's what it is i i read it as Petcoa when i first initially <laughs> read it and it has stuck there ever since and i have been maintaining that mistake for uh years and years to come or whether it's fangraphs projections uh they have the yankees finishing atop the al east and as one of the best teams in the american league how confident are y'all that the Yankees can come out of the American league and get back to the world series for the first time since what is it? 2009. It's been so long. I've just forgotten. The Yankees actually used to win games.
2: Mm -hmm. All right. Calm down over there. (laughs) (laughs) Weird that you bring up Pocota, Bryce, Stacy. We just (laughs) talked about this the other day on locked on Yankees. I'm not putting so much stock into Pocota last season. Pocota didn't have the Rangers making the postseason. It had the Yankees nine games over the Toronto Blue Jays in the American League East. <sighs> so take all of those projections with like the largest grain of salt you can possibly muster. Yeah. But that being said, I don't have the Yankees as the favorite favorite in the American League East. Stacy, I know we've dabbled in this, but I don't think you have them either.
1: No. No, I don't think they're going to be bad. I just think they're not going to be as far ahead of every other team as the projections think they're going to be.
2: <laughs> yeah, we, we have discussed the almighty Baltimore Orioles uh, on a handful of occasions, and I'm sure we'll continue to discuss them uh, throughout the season and with the addition of Corbin Burns to that team and everybody who else is still waiting in Norfolk to, to add to that roster. Um, And who's waiting in double A and single A and low A and all the way down to the complex league. Like that system just keeps getting better, seemingly, weirdly enough. And uh, yeah, we are very much screaming to the heavens to not take the Baltimore Orioles lightly because last season, I don't think I've seen a lot of those players now in the majors. It's home and triple A. I don't think this is a flash in the pan, man. I think Baltimore is going to be pretty legit for a while now.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Like John Smoltz, the Baltimore Orioles, John Smoltz's favorite team. I don't know if y'all remember of game three, while the Rangers were stomping the Orioles in what was a sweep, just the final three innings was John Smoltz giving this glowing eulogy about how actually the Orioles are, you know, so set up for the future. They're such a great team. Everything's so amazing about the Orioles. While they're getting canned in what is going to be a sweep. And so Rangers fans and myself have always, you know, held that over John Smoltz as the Orioles are John Smoltz's favorite team. I think it was just him hating on the Rangers. It was just a lot of nonsense. Even the, when the Diamondbacks series, when the Rangers were like an inning away, John Smoltz was like, well, this Diamondbacks team, you know, they've got a really bright future. I was like, all right, John Smoltz, can you just <laughs> shut up for about five minutes? But um, I'm curious, what what is it these projections are liking about the Yankees that you guys are more skeptical of?
2: I think it's the injury stuff, yeah. right? I think it's it's the uh, we're we're still, you know, a bit PTSD shell-shocked from last season. And, and it was check's watch right around this time last year that we started going, "Hmm, man, a lot of these injuries are popping up and hmm. He's supposed to be back by now and How long did they say? And uh-oh. <laughs> wait a second. Oh, it's the All-Star break. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's what's really driving us is like I mentioned a little bit, uh, Stacey. I know you can go into this further. Of the depth is better. I wouldn't say it's best, especially. Right. I know we're gonna get into this the pitching front, but especially on the rotation side, like one or two injuries, and you're you're already going uh oh. Like <laughs> Luke Weaver and Clayton Beater are now getting regular every five days right now. So it's it's a little a little touch and go when it comes to pitching and, and we both kind of pontificated that uh, that's a, that's a recurring word now apparently on the show pontificated that uh, they might be if they're in the running slash near the running, uh, making a move at the deadline for another arm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I can totally see that happening, but The thing you have to remember with the projections is they don't take injuries into account, which is why the Yankees looked so good last year. Because if no one was injured on the Yankees and maybe they had a couple of little injuries and, you know, maybe some guys made the IL, that was going to be a really good team (laughs) before those guys all got injured. I mean, if you're starting the season with three-fifths of your rotation on the IL, (laughs) you're not going to finish with a good year because you're going to start off slow. So those that's why the projections are looking the way they're looking because they're looking at the roster, looking at how these guys have done and taking it that way. Um So again, they have a chance to do really well, but you know, there's a lot of luck involved in that too, because you have to have guys doing the right thing at the right time and not getting injured. So.
2: Especially like in this conversation, top of mind is Texas, right? Like, the 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 roller coastery 2023 that you went down i mean there were, we were talking about you like mm-hmm. we were talking about you on locked on yankees we barely <laughs> see each other and we're going like what in the world's going on in the AL west and what in the what's <laughs> going on with the texas rangers like you were so i don't know if lucky is the right word but for lack of a better word lucky that you were <clears throat> able to make it through that kind of stuff to where the yankees were on the complete opposite end of that, where it's like, okay, it's time for so-and-so to step up. And then they didn't like, that's the flip side of the coin is you got the guys stepping up and the Yankees did not have that at all.
0: Yeah. yeah it was the weirdest. Like it's, it's hard to say like the Rangers were lucky when you get six starts of Jacob de Like it's hard to say you had a good injury like season. And especially when you missed like 40 games of your star shortstop and Corey Seager, but they kind of did like they got injuries, obviously, but they had the depth to sustain it. And the guys who stepped up to, you know, come in for those injuries, like Ezekiel Duran was on fire for the first half of the year. And Robot the Rangers, Yankees yeah, you know, bad. former <laughs> former Yankee. Great. Him and Josh Smith, both stepping up great right for the <laughs> Rangers where they needed the most. Um not so much Glenn Otto that uh that ship has sailed, but uh <laughs> Trevor Hover is still waiting to be the uh fourth impact of a trade that hurt my feelings so badly for my large adult son, Joey Gallo. But the Rangers had guys step up when other guys got healthy. They had injuries that you know healed at exactly the right time because Nathan evaldi was an absolute Dog on the mound for the first half of the season when there was not a whole lot else in this rotation. When Jacob Degrom went down, I mean, Dunning was was much better than expected in the first half. John Gray was average. Heaney was average, and uh, people kind of forget that uh, they also had Martín Perez in the rotation that was not doing a whole lot there. But I mean, Evaldi stepped up big and then got hurt right after the All Star break and came back and made like two or three rehab starts in the regular in, in the majors down the stretch in the regular season where he got crushed and everyone thought, oh, this guy just sucks now. And he was just rehabbing at the big league level in a pennant chase, which is very difficult to do, but then was just immediate, immediately healthy by the time the playoffs rolled around and he was his normal Nate Eovaldi playoff self, which is a very, very good starting pitcher. Coming up, we're going to talk about these two rotations and Nate Evaldi and how healthy can these rotations be right after this word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by GameTime. You shouldn't have to worry about buying tickets for your next big event. GameTime is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute t- tickets all in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, GameTime takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Just the other week, I bought tickets to a Mavs game last minute. I was thinking, you know what? These Mavericks are actually pretty good, pretty fun right now. And you know, I looked on GameTime, and the tickets were, you know, a really great deal there. It was such an easy way to get tickets. I could see exactly what it's going to look like from my seat. Just fantastic ticket buying experience. 10 out of 10 would recommend every single time. Game time has tickets, deals on tickets right up to the start of the event. Even an hour after it starts, it's the place to find last minute seats. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time, download the game time app, create an account and use code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again, create an account and redeem code L O C K E D O N. For $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Now, I don't know if y'all have seen that meme. That's this, uh, this it's more of a, a cartoon that it has like a, a handsome person hitting on a woman and it says, Oh, that's okay, but then it's an ugly guy hitting on this woman and she says she's calling HR. And, you know, I think of that meme when I think of these two starting pitching rotations, especially with these projection systems, because both of these pitching staffs are very injury prone. The Rangers already have three guys that are going to be on the IL till about mid season. But when these projection systems see the Yankees injured pitching staff, they think, Oh wow, that's so handsome. But then when they look at the Rangers, they say, Oh no, I'm calling HR. This is not okay because the Rangers have literally three starting pitchers that will be out until about midseason. Max Scherzer will be out until June after getting surgery on a herniated disc, which I'm pretty sure is what he suffered in Game 3 of the World Series when he took that liner off the back off of an amazing play that Josh Young made to get the Rangers out of that inning. Uh, a World Series, the Rangers won in case people have forgotten. Uh, just Say like it as many got. times as you can. I, just, I have been saying it about to. 50 times an episode just to convince myself that it really happened. (laughs) Um, because I'm still not entirely sure that it did and that I didn't die in a car accident (laughs) on my way to Game 7 of the ALCS. I'm still not sure that that didn't happen. But they also have Jacob deGrom, who's going to be out until about August, recovering from Tommy John surgery. And they also signed Tyler Malley, who's going to be out until about July, is the expectation, who also had Tommy John surgery last year. But the rest of the Rangers pitching staff – as of right now, looks like this, as of opening day, Nathan Ivaldi as your number one, John Gray as your number two, Dane Dunning, Andrew Heaney, and then it is going to be Cody Bradford, the youngster from Alito, Texas, and uh, Baylor as well. But I'm curious, when you look at this Yankee pitching staff, how much do you trust – how many of these guys do you trust are going to be healthy to pitch you even 150
2: innings this year? Cole. <laughs> <laughs> and somehow – Clark Schmidt,
1: yeah, Cole and Schmidt, <laughs> the one and the five, <laughs> the,
2: yeah, the bookends at
1: the end. Yeah,
2: yeah. Your your meme is maybe perfect for your situation. The meme <laughs> that comes to mind when I think of the Yankees rotation is the dog and the house on fire. Yeah, <laughs> this is fine. This is fine because because like even looking at if it's fully healthy, there's still a like too too big. Big question marks there in Carlos Rodon and Nestor Cortez. You have no clue right now what's going to happen when they get on the mound. With Carlos last season, dude, I don't know what in the world was going on there. We we have uh, come to the conclusion we think it was completely injury dependent, that uh, it was messing with his delivery because of the injuries that it was, most notably the back uh, that was not allowing him to finish fully. So he wasn't snapping his pitches, which is relieving him over the plate a little bit more. Uh, but when it comes to Nestor Cortez, it's it's the recovery stuff that has me losing sleep overnight, going, like, is this dude going to not pitch his first game? I don't worry, I'm not worried about his first game. I'm worried about his second, then his third, then his fourth, all the way up to 30. <laughs> if he can get there, like it's 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 coin tossing a lot, and the Yankees are putting a lot of faith in those guys. Stacey, we just did it on Tuesday's episode. That, that's the number one thing that we're looking out for this spring training is how are Carlos Rodon and Nestor Cortez feeling.
0: Yeah, and one of the things that I find interesting is is Marcus Stroman as well. Like he's only thrown about 130 innings, uh, under 140 the last couple of years. I mean he was pretty durable in 2019 and in 2021, he threw about 180 innings. Those years had a couple of back-to-back 200 innings in 2016 and 17 with Toronto, but like he hasn't thrown 150 innings since 2021. And is that what you're expecting from him or are you thinking just last year it was a little bit of injuries that kind of, you know, bugged him in the second half of the season, or, or what, do you, what are the expectations for Marcus Stroman this year?
1: Yeah, I think the injury affected him, Um, you know, and as long as he's coming in healthy, you know, um we were saying, we were also saying this on Tuesday's show, that it's not a guarantee that the rotation is going to be Cole, Rodon, Nestor, Stroman, Clark Schmidt, we feel like maybe Stroman has the leg up on the three spot ahead of Nestor just because of Nestor's issues that he had in 2023. And Stroman has more of a track record in the starting rotation. Um, I'm actually not worried about Stroman. I'm really not. I think, I think he could be really good. And he's also the thing I like about it is they're not making him like he's not expected to be the ace on the team. You know, he doesn't have to come out and be spectacular, but it'd be great if he did. You know, that'd be a nice, strong number three right there, especially with those question marks we had just mentioned. Um, But I think the hip gave him a problem in the second half last year. And if he's healthy, I think he should be fine.
2: Yeah, because he was leading that rotation. Yes, Kyle Hendricks, you could say, but he was really leading that rotation with the injuries that they were dealing with in Chicago. And you can pretty much see the 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 similar path that the. Cubs took in relative correlation to his injury. Like, yes, yeah. they they really, really fell apart there in September. I mean, what, the end of August, they're in a playoff spot or, you know, within a half a game or a game or so in Chicago. So yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you, Stace. I'm not necessarily concerned about Marcus Stroman. In the slightest, I'm still keeping my eye on that two and that four in in Rodon and, and Cortez. Like everybody else, I feel at least at relative ease. But like you said, if he doesn't have to be the ace, which is the case, then I I will take what you're going to get. And what you're going to get is he could be a two somewhere. He could totally be a two and you're asking him to be a three. So I'm taking that any day.
0: I think that's pretty solid. And I think one of the things about the depth of pitching staffs that often gets overlooked is is your depth past your number 5 starter because almost no rotation in the history of baseball has ever gone, all right, we got our five starting rotation and they're all going to pitch every fifth game and no one's going to be hurt at all and it's going to be amazing. The Mariners were about as close as it was as there is last year. They had, I think they're all of their top starting four were healthy basically all year long. Um But how is the depth of this Yankees rotation behind it? Because I know there was a lot of pitching depth given up in that Juan Soto trade, which obviously you bring in Juan Soto into Yankee Stadium, like you're not going to be complaining too much about losing your number four or five or whatever starter. But still, it is something you have to look at.
1: Well, it wasn't just the Juan Soto thing, because if you recall, the Yankees traded some depth away during the trade deadline in uh 22 also there are a few guys that could have been <laughs> people would've that been. were or would have been you know maybe impacting this season possibly at some point so yeah the pitching depth uh, we've talked about that a lot on the show right Steve <laughs> or well, lack of
2: I'm, lack thereof yeah. uh in in some regard a, a common phrase for lockdown Yankees fans that you will hear me say is first call. Who's the first call? And the first call right now for the Yankees is Luke Weaver. Mm, that's, that's the first not great. call because he signed a major league deal, and he's going to be the long man out of the pen in all likelihood. If that first injury, who's your first call right now? It's Luke Weaver. Who's your second call? Clayton Beater. Yeah. <laughs> so before the Stroman signing, we were freaked because. Clayton Beater may have projected. That was also before Weaver. Clayton Beater projected to be the five starter. Yeah. Beater got called up halfway through to triple A last year, struggled and then leveled off. So there are some serious glaring question marks that we're not taking lightly because of, again, the shell shock from a season ago that, uh, you know, that there is better depth. At least there is Luke Weaver now. At least there is a major league arm because last year there wasn't a major league arm. Uh, You immediately called Johnny Brito. That was the Johnny Brito made it out of camp. Uh, And look, I'm not trying to knock Johnny Brito. I love the kid. I think he's a great kid and a pretty good pitcher. But for that to be the first guy right away, you're going, "Uh uh-oh, we might have (laughs) a problem here. So at least Luke Weaver is there. So that first injury doesn't sting as much. He can hold down the fort for a little while because he did last season for a little bit. Uh, But yeah, after that, you're kind of running off of faith for... And then you're running off of faith after that for Warren Tanner Tully, you know, like there's Sean Boyle.
1: Mm. Like
2: there's, I I, I like these guys, triple a arms pitched pretty decently last year, but for a major league club that is all in on 2024. Let's let's hope for the best, I think, is like <laughs> when you're looking past that number five.
1: But it feels like that's what the Yankees are doing, because it's always, if they're healthy, <laughs> yeah. which that's never the case. So I don't know why they keep banking on that whole if they're healthy thing, which is what we said earlier with if the Yankees are either, well, not at the top of the division, I think if they're right in there and they're close to or it may be in a playoff spot, but they just want to get over the top. You're going to see a deal for the, for a starter, for someone mm-hmm. who maybe not, who maybe wasn't moved before the season started like Dylan cease, something like that. Um, yeah. I feel like they would make that move.
2: Yeah. yeah, they would have to, because again, you don't have any guarantee for Juan Soto past 2024. Mm-hmm. And if you don't go all in after going all in to get him, then why did you even do it? Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. And there is, there is no such thing as too much starting pitching. I mean, the Rangers, I, I went and looked this up from the end of the 2022 season to the trade deadline in 2023. The Rangers acquired seven starting pitchers. Seven, which yeah. is insane. And they had like three and a half healthy come the end of the World
2: Series. Yeah, you really so- need like eight <laughs> major league starters. That's what you really need.
0: Yep. And right now the Rangers depth behind Cody Bradford as the number five, even Cody Bradford is the five. I like him. I think he'd be fine as your number five starter, but when the depth behind him is like they signed Jose Urania as a, you know, depth like probably a triple a depth option or maybe it's owen white who was kind of a disaster last year or maybe it's jack Leiter, who just barely got the triple a at the end of his second year of basically two full years in double a without showing a whole lot of progress like there is you're really hoping that you don't have any setbacks from anybody in your starting rotation at the beginning of the year and you're hoping that all your guys that are coming off the il do come off the il when they're and, supposed to and, and, and are stay good. off the il yeah exactly and stay <laughs> and are off good yeah <laughs> and are good yeah, yeah. and they're good and one of them is going to be uh 39 yeah 39 this year one of them's going to be 35 36 this year and hey, but you didn't sign kershaw so no uh that doesn't
2: add to that list at least at least you don't not. have another il prone coming back second half at the end of his career at least that you would, don't have another one
0: do you know how insane the rangers il rotation would be they would have four guys on their their il For the first half of the season with a combined eight cy young awards (laughs) so i don't think that was really an option with the state of the rotation right now but i think both these teams are in a really good spot for 2024 some good offenses some Hopefully healthy pitching, and who knows? We might see another Rangers-Yankees-ALCS moment like the one I very much enjoyed back in 2010. But that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you all so much for joining me. Thank you all so much for listening. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy World Series champion Texas Rangers baseball.